Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Fulcrum Focus podcast. The Fulcrum Focus is a podcast where um, I just really enjoy introducing my listeners to um, really interesting people who are in the world of business, um, producing, things like that. Um, today, I am extremely privileged to have somebody that I call friend, and this is another podcast, but a friend is somebody you can call at three in the morning because you're on the side of the road with your car broken down, and they'll come get you. They may not like it, but they'll come get you. So, Walker, get ready. Um, I'm ready, this baby. Morning, I have with me a friend uh, I've known for a very long time, Walker McKay. Uh, Walker, thanks for being with us this morning. It is my pleasure, Gabe. I'm so glad to be here. And um, anyway, it's an honor to be on this cool podcast. And all you listeners out there that are smart enough to find Gabe's podcast, um, keep listening and give him a review if you hadn't already that really helps increase um, the distribution. So you can tell Walker is a, is, is a podcaster as well and, and a really good one. Um, Walker actually was one of my mentors in the early days, uh, 11 months ago of how in the world do you do a podcast? And he was extremely helpful with that. But um, the reason you may want to listen, tune in today is um, Walker is, well, I always describe Walker this way as a very unique individual, but his world is um, really suited towards the person who is doing a lot of things. Um, maybe you're trying to start a business. Maybe you're trying to keep a business. Uh, maybe you're a producer like me. Uh, maybe you're a manager of a bunch of doofuses like me, who your job depends on people like me doing my job, uh, which is producing. Um, I've never asked Walker what to actually call him, um, because I'm sure there's really easy things to say that wouldn't quite describe what he does. But uh, Walker is um, he's a teacher. He's a coach. He's a mentor um, in the area of, of just being a better producer, a salesperson. And Walker will clean up my, my language here in a second when I let him talk. But um, one thing I can say about Walker and, and with, a, with, a, with, heart, with a heart as pure as a spring lamb, I learn something every time I talk to Walker. Um, wow. he's, just, he's just gushing with wisdom of sales. And I've often referred to him as he's, he's a wordsmith. Um, when I'm trying to communicate something to a prospect or a client, um, Walker can just think for a second and say, why don't you just say this? And I step back and go, wow, that's really just me saying that with a, with a little bit of a curve to it. And that's great communication. So Walker, um, let's uh, do the equivalent of drinking a cup of bourbon at nine in the morning. Let me ask you a, a, a question that just jumps right in there. I'm ready. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your journey into entrepreneurship, which involved a lot of sacrifice uh, disappointment, uh, and then go into a little bit about uh, kind of your passion uh, of just talking about uh, depression, anxiety, um, and just kind of your journey through that. Sure. So um, I realized um, it took me twice to realize, or actually three times to realize that I can't work for anybody else. Um, I am unhirable. I'm unemployable. And um, my last round of that, I was um, in um, in a partnership with a, uh, another guy who, um, did sales training and coaching. And I respect him very much. 
Um, but I found if you've ever gotten this way before, Gabe, um, where everything that he did began to bother me. And I am sure the reverse was true, too. Even the way he ate a turkey sandwich started to drive me crazy. Right. And so I began to um, get all resentful and mad about this kind of stuff. And let me back up for a second, Gabe. The, the times in my life where I have grown the most, the pivot points have been where I have caught myself or have been pointed out to me that I was making excuses. Hmm. Those are the times that I've always, when somebody either says that I realize that I'm making excuses, um, that's the time when all of a sudden things change for the better in the big picture. So I was having lunch with a guy who's a client of mine that, you know, I'll tell you, it is William Kaysen. Hmm. And I was having lunch with him and I was miserable and I was thinking about leaving. Maybe I had committed in my head to leave, but I wasn't telling anybody but my wife. And I sit down with William at a restaurant. And um, again, we were having a coaching meeting and he said, um, he gave me this great greeting that I love. And I used it. I think I probably used it on him, but he said, you look like shit. <laughs> and when somebody says that immediately to me, it makes me, he made it be inward and go, oh. well, anyway, I started basically vomiting my angst that I'm in this business relationship and I don't like it. And I'm not having fun and it sucks. And it's 50% my fault and 50% his fault. And I was just on a roll and I look up and Williams giving me the stop sign. I said, what? He said, it's not 50% your fault. It's a hundred percent your fault. And I was like, shit, I know you're right. Tell me why he goes, because if you blame somebody else for 50% of your misery, you're going to be mad at the wrong person for a really long time. Yeah. Wow. I was like, wow. I said, that is un I said, I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. Where'd you learn that? He goes, you. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, my last guest was actually a gentleman out of uh, Oregon who his business is, they only work with business owners or producers. Um, but it revolves around their marriage. And that's exactly what he said. It's not waiting for the other person to get everything you think they need to get straight. It's you and it, and you own it. You own, yeah. it. you own it and you walk away with it. You have to own it. And as soon as he called me on it, I got there. I got really great clarity about what I had to do. And I realized I could, I went to my business partner and with all sincerity, I went to him and I apologized for being such a jerk. I told him that I was leaving, that I didn't, um, and I, I didn't, wasn't look, doing this for any kind of negotiation leverage. I didn't do it out of any kind of spite. I had a three-year non-compete. I wasn't planning on taking any clients. I just knew I had to go and do something else. Hmm. And, um, and I was sincerely apologetic. And we, um, through 99% of that, had a very... Um, I will say decent exit for as how those things mostly go. And um, so anyway, I, I thought that somebody would immediately come and hire me and my million dollar job where I flew around a jet and really didn't really have to do much. And that never happened, which is good. Um, and so I decided, I, anyway, long story, I started a consulting business where I was an outsourced VP of sales for companies. And I could do, I tried to handle about four at a time, um, Gabe, where I was somebody that either... They, the owner was managing and they said, I hate this. I suck at this. Will you help me? Um, or they were in transition. They've lost a VP of sales and needed somebody to stand in until a new one came in. And honestly, I sucked at it. 
And the business model was even worse because I was running like this all the time. And my clients were people that were trying to get rid of me. And I told them, I said, your job is to replace me. But anyway, so I, a friend of mine called me and he said, your three years are up because once you go back into training, I said, I don't have a training room. He goes, okay, why else? And I said, well, I don't have any material. He said, okay, why else? And I said, cause um, I'm scared. And he said, okay, why else? And he said, I can fix the training room. There's this thing called Zoom. We can do it at first for free. He said, material, he said, you ass. He said, you've got plenty of material right in your head. You just have to take the time to put it down. And the scared part, if you really want to, do you really want to do this? And I said, yeah. He said, get over yourself. Hmm. And I was like, darn it. Excuses again. Right. He took them away. So anyway, I went on this long journey and um, had my ups and downs. I thought it was going to go, quite frankly, better than it did at first. We had just built a beautiful, and my timing's terrible. We just <laughs> built a beautiful custom home um, on some family property that was exactly what we wanted. It was beautiful. We we're proud of it. I've been there about four years. And um, in order for us to stay, I had to make a choice. I could either stop running my business and get a job, which I didn't think I could do. Or we could pull the kids out of private school or we could sell the house that we loved. And what I learned was I, Sally and I talked about it for a long time. And if we took the kids out of private school to keep the house, that was to preserve our dignity. Mm -hmm. But if we kept the kids in private school and sold the house, that was the right thing for the kids. And so that was the sacrifice that we made. We moved to a rental house, about a third of the size of the house we built, lived there for three years. It sucked. Our children hated it. We didn't like it either. But eventually, as things turned around, we we're able to buy another house. So um, my advice I give to entrepreneurs and founders and people that are going out on their own is, if you're dumb enough to do it, like I was, um, it always seems it takes longer than you think. It's harder than you think. And at least in my case, and most people I talk to, I would do it again. And it's probably more fulfilling than you think would be a third, I think, at the end of that. Yeah. I mean, and you got to figure out what fulfills you. And for me, it's the work. I love working with companies, with entrepreneurs, with sales teams that are that see that there's got to be a better way. And that they're committed to being better. And a lot of people don't know, right? They don't know what better looks like. Um, so anyway, I, I like to work with dreamers, right? That think that things can be, should be better and need to be better and that they can be better. Yeah. Um, I kind of started in chapter four and I started started reading the preface. Um, Walker's um, company, he's the founder and owner of uh, No BS Sales School. And it's exactly that. It's cutting through all the BS and get to the point. Um, so probably should have caveated with that, but um, Walker, one of the things I've noticed about you in the past six to nine months, and this is very different than, than what I see kind of in the marketplace is just your transparency, transparency and vulnerability. And it also just goes to, you're talking about how difficult it is. Well, it's easy to say that, but not give an example, but you do give examples um, with the whole, you know, selling the house, private school, thinking about that. Um, but you also go into um, what a lot of people are dealing with, but aren't willing to talk about. 
yeah. um, which is anxiety and depression. If you yeah. feel comfortable, you want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I, um, about the, I remember how long ago, it was probably 2015, 18 years ago, I was, um, as an adult, was diagnosed with ADHD. All of a sudden, a lot of my childhood made more sense. Um, and so began to take medicine to help me with ADHD. And it was amazing how it did. Um, I tell people my brain is kind of like a Ferrari. As long as you keep it tuned, it's great. But if you don't, that shit's in a ditch in a heartbeat. And, um, and that's where I spent the first you know, 35 years of my life, which is all over the place. And um, anyway, for better, or for worse, it was fine. Um, but I think that had had um, I was just known as a fidgety kid and maybe not a bad kid, but just a impulsive kid, which I was and an impulsive adult. And so anyway, once we treated the ADHD, the next thing um, I began to have these really dark periods where I would feel lonely and I didn't think I had any friends. Anyway, I guess friends that understood me, nobody got it. And I would go through this, you know, I didn't get to the point where I couldn't get out of bed, but it surely was. I felt like sometimes I was drowning. I couldn't, um, everything seemed to be going wrong. Everything was going bad. I felt bad about myself. Um, and it's weird the way that compounds, right? Because, um, when you feel, when I felt bad about myself, I also didn't feel like exercising. I also didn't feel like reaching out to other people. I also didn't feel like going outside and getting sunshine. I just wanted to curl up in a ball. I did my work, but I wasn't happy. And um, I had some other, I had some back pain and other things that were going on. I think a lot of it was related to anxiety and depression. I got to be honest with you. Mm. And, um, and so, I ended up going to see a doctor um, about my anxiety and depression. He put me on some medicine and it took about know, a week or two until I started to feel a little bit better. And then about six weeks in, I started um, to feel like my old self again. And six weeks doesn't seem like a long time, but if you're drowning, um, six weeks is a long, long, long time. But I finally got back up and I started to feel a lot better and, um, and depression is really hard to describe. If you've never had it, I hope you never do, but it's just a feeling of almost hopelessness of sadness. Um, and I went through, even on the medicine, I went through bouts of up and down and you try and hide it. Um, I found myself, um, and, and anxiety kind of goes with that anxiety is worry. It's a deeper worry that of not being in control and, um, Anyway, it's, it's a strange thing because I don't know that I recognized it. I figured out that I've been medicating with alcohol mm. in the evenings. I would come home, have three, four, five drinks because that seemed to make me even out. I think it really just made me drunk, honestly. I don't know that it really <laughs> took away the anxiety, um, but I was still having deep depressions. And, and, and they weren't for weeks at a time, but I'd have four or five or six really rough days in a row. And um, anyway, I went, I switched doctors after about 10 years. And it's interesting. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this out on a podcast, but I um, went to a different doctor because I was getting the same kind of the doctor's advice to me was just keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. But I felt like shit. <laughs> 
And I'll tell you what spurred it. Um, I went to a funeral of a friend of mine who had killed himself. He was a former client, was a friend, and he was, and as far as anybody knew, was happy-go-lucky, great guy. And then one day they found him dead. Mm. He killed himself. And it really, he had a wife and kids and all this, you know, presumably doing very well and all his things. And um, clearly that was just the outside. And I went to the funeral, which I think was a mistake. Because I got there and everybody was so sad and so, um, you know, how, how can he possibly do that? And how selfish is that? And I was in a bad place. And as I was in that service, I had to get up and leave. And I um, had given somebody else a ride. At the very end, I didn't hang around. I just left. I gave my friend a ride and I, and I dropped her off back at her office. And as I drove away, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think I could do that, but I understand how somebody could feel that that was a way out. And that scared the shit out of me. You, Absolutely I, scared me. Yeah. I heard you say that before and I've probably repeated that to a dozen people since then. And I think it comes all, I mean, obviously younger folks can do that too, but I think is you know, you and I both are starting to get the gray up top. You just get older and you have to, you, you just get to encounter different things, good and bad. And that's not a foreign phrase, I would guess, to a lot of people, especially yeah. our age, especially in business, especially doing what we're doing, especially married, um, that they would say the same thing. And to hear somebody say that, you know, on a public setting um, is I told you yesterday, I think, I think you are, I think you have changed lives. I think you have changed wow. the trajectory for folks just by being vulnerable and saying that. Um, so thank you for doing that. Keep it sure. up. Sure. Well, there's, there is, I found out I was on the wrong medicine. Hmm. Um, I was on, and so I'd been on depression meds for 15 years and they worked most of the time, but saw some depressive bouts. And I went to a new doctor, which I recommend if you have been going to the same doctor for 15 years and you're still suffering let somebody else take a look because they changed my diagnosis to a different it's a long story. Don't need to bore you the technical details, a different kind of depression. And they switched my meds and she said, we'll know within six weeks if this is right. And um, the first time. day I took the medicine, the first day I felt different hmm. and I have not had a depressive. I have not had a depressive bout since then. And that to me, and that's been five or six years. And that is a godsend. Yeah. So if you are feeling shitty and I, I um, if you or your spouse is dealing with postpartum depression, that's a thing. If you are dealing with, with a, a deep sadness, a feeling that you're not adequate, a feeling that things just aren't going to work out well, a fear, go see your doctor. Maybe your GP, get your GP to refer you to a psych. The GP can throw some meds your way, but go get a diagnosis from a psychiatrist. It is well worth the time and the effort, and there is no freaking shame. And that's the why I have folks like you on. It's not, you know, we're not talking about your what you do all the time. I tell folks that I ask to be on my podcast, hey, this isn't really in a commercial for you, um, but I see something in you that I want to get out on my platform. And uh, and that's that's why I have folks like you on. Um, and there's, Thank you, Gabe. Yeah. And there's, you know, 
I, I could see even going, it's okay that you take a pill and people need to know that, that it's yeah. okay that you're doing something proactively that's going to level you out to help you on your journey of being the best version of you that you're trying to create for your, your spouse, your family, your job. Yeah. Um, so, for yeah. me to be able to show up for my family and be able to be there for them as opposed to being in a black void where I could barely take care of myself. That's, that's an exaggeration, but where I didn't feel like taking care of myself, where it just was just drudgery. Yeah. So the, the medicine is there. There is no shame. Um, I think a lot of people take the medicine. Um, but if you're still not feeling better, go see a psych. Yeah. There's lots of options. Yeah. Good call. Well, with uh, the No BS Sales School, you talk to lots of people. You coach lots of different people. Um, what do you think in, in our world today, what do you think salespeople need to do now to not only survive, uh, but to thrive in this crazy market that we live in, whether we're, yeah. you know, Yeah, so it's really interesting. And I, um, thanks for asking that question, Gabe. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was younger, I was in the commercial real estate business. I was much younger and um, I went through um, the, I won't give it too much history, but the tax law change in 1986, this is how old I am. I was new in the business, in the commercial real estate business. I probably started in 1988, 89. The tax law change changed the value, the tax value of a lot of um, commercial properties and lowered their value by a third. And it made commercial real estate toxic for lack of a better word. And there was, um, it was hard as hell to go sell stuff. It was really hard because there were no buyers and the banks weren't lending money and it was really tough. And so I was 25, 26, 27. And, um, and then things got, I mean, the, the message was stay alive till 95. And this is 1990, 1991. And so honestly, I was a I hung around with three or four or five guys and we were all the cool guys. And you know, we would say things like nobody's buying commercial real estate. It's too hard. This sucks, blah, blah, blah. And so guess what? It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's funny because there were four or five guys in my office that didn't hang out with us that would go in their office and close the door and do the work. And they made four or $500,000 a year, which back in 1994, three, two was a shitload of money. And the difference between them and us was they didn't make a bunch of excuses. They went and got to work. And what I will tell people right now, the difference between those that are going to survive and or the ones that are going to make it are the ones that are prospecting now. Prospect, prospect, prospect. Go There it will be business. If interest rates are 50%, there will be business out there. If, if, if the world goes to hell, if it's a Mad Max scenario, which I really don't believe, I don't. I think that things will be better than the. From what I've been reading, a lot of fear. The news media stirs it up. I don't think things will be as deep as they were in 2010, 11, 12. But your competitors, a lot of them, will be giving up. They will be saying, "And eh, nobody's buying. Eh, everybody's contracting. Nah, it'll never work." Blah blah. F those guys. <laughs> Go ahead, get, stay working. Don't listen to them. If people want to drag you down, tell you how bad it is, go in your office, close your door, stay away from those people. Don't hang out with people that are bitching, whining, complaining, because they're going to create their own reality. Somebody in your business is going to crush it. Yeah, Might as well be you. 
that's what I hear from you. That's a consistent pattern I hear from you is lots of different seasons and opportunities to make excuses. And uh, one of my other favorite phrases of yours, and it's actually that time of year coming up pretty soon, National Screw-Off Month, where people yes. Hey, nobody's making decisions right now. And then they, they don't do anything for the end of November and December. And then January rolls out and their pipeline is echoing because they Shitty, haven't right? had any so conversation with people. They haven't just made the effort and not had an excuse. National screw off month usually starts about a week or 10 days before Thanksgiving. And it lasts until the first week of January, maybe the second week for some people. And I must say the reason I speak about this is that I fell victim to National Screw-Off Month um, about 10 years ago um, when I was working in my other job. And um, and so I said, hell, nobody's going to be buying from Thanksgiving till new. Nobody buys what I sell between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I really just started hunting more about Halloween. Right. <laughs> and so and there goes, nobody buys anything. And boy, let me tell you what, I had a really rough fourth quarter and a really shitty first and second quarter. And so the following year, I said, I can't afford to go hunting in October, November, December. Yeah. And so I busted it and I kept working. And you know what? I sold more stuff between in the fourth quarter than I had the entire first half of two years before when I was doing well. There are plenty of people who are buying what you sell in the fourth quarter. Are you willing to go talk to them? By the way, a lot of your competitors aren't. So it's a great time to be out there. And that's the great thing about what you talk about is um, your competitors aren't doing it. Um, if you're doing it and it's not completely ridiculous, it's probably a very, very good investment because you're, you're younger folks don't understand it. Your older folks think that's 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 not a good strategy, but you're doing it. You're in front of people. And if nothing else, even they say no, they you had a touch point. You gave them a reason yeah. to remember you more than your than your than your um, the, somebody out there trying to do it also. Plus, even if you do have somebody else that's actually doing that, too, um, your you want your current clients to hear that you want to be memorable, not the guy calling on your client. Yeah. Um, and, and it's and it's funny because you don't have to be the greatest sales guy in the world. You just have to be better than your competitor. And most of your competitors suck. Yeah. You just, uh, I heard, actually, it was kind of a kid who was new in the business and he made a comment to one of our um, producers back in my former job. Um, and he admitted he was never going to be the smartest person in the room, but nobody was going to outwork him. And outworking yeah. isn't hard. It's showing up, doing the things that you know, um, doing the activities that you know are going to produce the results you want and knowing am I get told no 75% of the time and being yeah, okay. or more. Yeah. Um, well, if um, I'm going to get you to talk about one thing and I don't know what you're going to say yet, but uh -huh. the thing folks walk away with, what do you say? The one thing is non-negotiable if someone uh, wants to be a top producer and whatever their wor world is. I'm going to go back to, to what I just talked about is you must be willing to put in the work. You must be willing to do the behavior. So you got to have a strong goal, a vision of where you want to be. And that's got to be more than just a number it has to be more than I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. What you need to be focused to, because money is a funny thing. Money um, is an intellectual concept. And what matters about money is just a green piece of paper or whatever, a debit card or a credit card or whatever the hell that is. Um, but we have to have is what is something that that would allow you to do or allow you to stop doing that matters a lot. So, for example, um, I one of my goals this year was to be able to take my wife on a great trip. 
And that was something that was really important to me. I wanted to be able to say yes to do that. And um, and so it by focusing on that, not on the money, but how do I get to the point where I can take Sally on a great trip? And so it allowed me. That's what I focused on. And so we ended up going to Hawaii for our second year in a row. And that was really important. And now now as I sit there and and process, right, what's the next thing for me? What is the next thing? And that is to do a renovation on our house. Hmm. And so what that means is I'm going to need about $50,000 in cash and then some more money to borrow, but be able to do that comfortably and say, we're ready to do this. And that matters because I want to have a porch that this time next year, I can be outside with my fireplace. That's what I want to do. So you start there. So you start with the vision, what really matters. And then you got to go to your plan, which is how am I going to do that? And so from my plan, right? So I need to have six corporate clients that are going to be with me for at least a year. So my corporate clients, I have a range, right? Of the money that they bring in. And so I've got three of them now that will probably continue with me. And I need to go get three or four new ones. And if I get three, if I get three new ones, I'll be good. If I get four new ones, I'll be great. We can build a little nicer fireplace, right? Um, and so I'm working on that, but before, so there's my plan, but then what are my activities? Yeah. Working by what are the things I have to do on a daily and weekly basis, which to me are speaking in front of people. It is, um, doing workshops to attract people. It is working my LinkedIn connections. It is asking for referrals from all of my clients at least twice a year. And if I do those things from where I am now in my business, I will end up with six or maybe seven corporate clients total. So, so it matters about what's your vision and how committed you are to it. Cause it's easy to say, Oh, I'd like to have a foundation that does blah, 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 which is awesome. But are you willing to sacrifice to get it? Are you willing to put in the work? Because there is, there is some luck in sales. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dis. I'm not going to say there's not because there is, but you know, the old saw, right. If hard work brings luck, but planning to succeed on your own efforts is what makes it happen. Let luck be the damn cherry on top. Yeah. But planning to succeed and then working to succeed and not being afraid of doing the hard work. And the first couple of years in sales, first five years in sales, even for you, they're going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Even for everybody thinks it'd be different for them. Bullshit. It's going to be hard for you too. And know that. Yeah. Um, well, if you listen to this and you're thinking um, how in the world, uh, you know, obviously I, if you don't like what Walker's talking about, there's another conversation, but yeah. um, Walker's on a couple different mediums and he actually has multiple things he's doing for his clients. Um, most recently you're doing a once a month. Um, what do you call What do you call that? A workshop kind of deal. So we're talking yep. about. Yep. So the workshop you did your first was your first one last month. Yeah. So I've, I've started this thing, and it's it's really it, my clients can come, but it's designed for people that have not had training before, don't know what the hell we do around here, and so we'll do a public workshop that lasts typically an hour. Do it online. Um, charge a minimal amount of money, like twenty seven or forty nine dollars or something like that, just so there's some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not getting rich on that, I promise you. Um, but we go out and do a, we invite people to come, they pay the money, they come to the workshop and we hope is they'll learn something. And also what they'll hope is see that, well, when a lot of people think about sales training, they think about some 
I'm just saying some old white guy reading out of a book, telling the same stories he's been telling forever, or some woman who's never sold, who came from HR and she's teaching you about sales or some rah-rah bullshit, right? And that's what people think of. And I totally get it. What I'm here to show people is it doesn't have to be that way. There's actually sales training that is helpful and it can be, um, it's challenging and it can be fun, but it's not this rah-rah bullshit. Yep. Um, well, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to ask you in a second, kind of how folks can find you, but I want to rip you off once more and ask you a question. It's your question. I've never heard anybody else ask this question before, but I'll pretend like it's mine and say, Walker, can I tell you one thing I learned from you today? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, and I never heard you say this before, but uh, the times that you've grown the most are when someone has told you that you're making excuses and just knowing when that's happened to me personally in the past, that was not a welcome comment. Um, it's not something I wanted to do. And it kind of is an example of a broader principle that you really only grow when there's a struggle involved and you have, yes. to, you have to struggle. My favorite, I keep telling people, I know everybody's heard this and there's always one person that says, I've never heard this, but it's the, it's the old example of the dude walking in the woods and he sees a cocoon um, hanging from a limb and he knows that there's a moth in there waiting to be beautiful and he sees it kind of moving around and have you heard this by the way i have not heard it i'm first in on this okay so he sees it kind of moving around and it's about showtime um and he kind of sees it coming out a little bit he can see like a little head and it's just struggling and it's just pathetic it's just not happening so it gives me a reason to pull my pocket knife out so i actually I actually speak to youth groups sometimes and and this is my little yeah. he pulls his yeah. pocket knife out and he he just kind of helps it and it doesn't quite help it enough so it cuts the side a little bit more and he gets it a more opens it up enough where it can actually come out without a lot of resistance and what happened was a pathetic milky white nasty pathetic creature falls out on his hand and it was supposed to be a beautiful butterfly but the only way it was begun it was going to become that beautiful butterfly is if it struggled and struggled and struggled and 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 whatever process i'm not a butterflyologist or anything but whatever process that takes that's what strengths in it that's where the the beauty the color and all that comes from and he ripped him off and didn't allow him to do it and so because amazing. of that probably died um yeah. that's the way life is 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 the the biggest growth opportunities are sometimes present themselves as the most painful and most miserable, but um, it's great. So one thing I will, I will mention, if you want to change the culture of your company, if you want to change the culture of your family, give, tell everybody, well, tell everybody you would, if they hear you making an excuse hmm. to call you on it. And here's, here's how I like to think about an excuse. If somebody says, I can't, they won't, it never you know, all these absolutes and you can change the words to, I haven't figured out how to, hadn't figured out how to get that guy to call me back. Haven't figured out how to get along with my partner. Haven't figured out how to start my own business. Cause as soon as you say, I can't, it won't, they won't. It's just your truth. Okay, but if you say, well, I haven't figured out yet. And so, um, and go to, so if you can give permission, even if you're, especially if you're the founder or the CEO or the owner, give people permission to call you out on your excuses and then ask permission to do the same for them. Hmm. Yeah. And if you want to change the culture of your company, live by that greed and you will watch magic happen. 
Absolutely. Walker, if anybody who's listening to me right now wants to catch up with you, have some questions for you, find out more about what you've been talking about, what is the best way to find you? So I'm on LinkedIn at Walker McKay, W-A-L-K-E-R-M-C-K-A-Y. Um, my email is walker at walkermckay.com. I have a podcast called the No BS Sales School. Um, there are several No BS podcasts. Um, one of them is No BS Mattress Sales. That's not me. Um, no BS Sales School with Walker McKay. If you just, if you honestly will go into Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts and look up Walker McKay, you'll find my podcast. That's as good a way as any. Um, but you can find me on almost all the social media channels and would love to have a conversation um, to see if, um, see if you need my help and see if I'm somebody who can help you. Yep. If you're an Android nerd like me, that's what it looks like. So there go you find go. It. Walker, man, this has been my treat, my pleasure. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning. Gabe, thank um, you. It's a wonderful, you, you've done a, you're a great host and thanks for having me on here. Thank you, buddy. All right. Have a great day, y'all. Thanks for listening to the OBS Sales School Podcast. If you haven't already, please take one minute to write a quick review for the show. It really does make a huge difference. Also, subscribe to the show and please forward this episode to somebody else who needs to hear it. As a bonus for listening, I'm going to give you access to a free mini course, Seven Expensive Sales Mistakes You're Making and What You Can Do About It. Go to www.7salesmistakes.com and get access to the free mini course. That's the number seven salesmistakes.com. Thanks again for listening to the OBS Sales School Podcast.